0: How is everybody? Yeah. <laughs> good, thought about just slipping Kyle my notes and be like, dude, you're on a roll, man. Just go for it. Uh, hey, uh, shameless plug. Um, this Thursday and Friday, we have our annual Refined Leadership Conference. If you've not signed up for this, oh, hey, Jared. <laughs> <little> person, <laughs> <laughs> is this it is eggnog season, I'll take a drink. Yeah, it's good. Just, just letting everyone know, this time of the year, I put on about 15 pounds, and it's because of Southern Comfort eggnog. It is, uh, this is my Achilles heel. It's like my kryptonite. So um, if you want something from me, if you just buy me some of that, we're good. It's like bribery. So uh, thanks. Um, so our leadership conference is coming up. And it's this Thursday and Friday, and if you haven't signed up for this, there's actually a code you can put in on the website, refineconference.com. If you type in experience, all lowercase, it'll give you 25% off. It's 55 bucks, which is pretty cheap for a conference anyways, but got Pastor Brady from New Vision, got David Young from North Boulevard, got our mayor, Shane McFarland. got Mark Rutland, got Abby Sear, who's a pastor that we sponsor up in New Hampshire, got Dr. Bob Dudley, um, some really good looking guy on here. Oh, that's me. Um, and got a couple more people. Uh, I'm just joking. No, I'm about to get really fat this season, so I have to like, you know, whatever I have, I have to flaunt. Um, so anyways, that's coming up this Thursday and Friday, and you should sign up for that. It'll be really, really good. So, okay. If you haven't been here, we are in the book of Acts. We're in chapter five today, okay? So if you have not been here, I'll, I'll catch up real quick. A, the book of Acts is pretty simple in what it tries to get across, its purpose, It comes right after the four Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the fifth book of the New Testament. And the book of Acts is simply the followers of Jesus who are taking everything that was said in the Gospels and they are applying it to the world around them. And then we see the results of that application. That's essentially what Acts is it's the Acts of the Apostles of Jesus Christ. Okay, so in chapters one and two, we see the birth of the church. We see the church, the followers of Jesus, be filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 3, we see that as they're walking into the temple, Peter and John pray for a man who's never been able to walk and he's miraculously healed, and this has caused quite a stir in Jerusalem. In chapter 4, the, the church has grown to about 5,000 people and there's a huge stir going on. So they put Peter and John in jail and they let them off without, uh, uh, with a warning, and they pass a law that says they need to stop teaching about Jesus and in Jesus' name. And in chapter 5, where we come today, this is a very interesting chapter of the Bible, a very dark corner of the Bible, and there's two different things we're going to hit on today, okay? You can almost split this chapter in half, but we're going we're to barrel through it today. The first thing we're going to talk about is this. We're going to ask ourselves, are we honest about our Christian walk? Are we honest about our faith? Are we honest about how we're doing as Christians, right? How much we are applying ourselves to following Jesus. That's the first thing we're going to talk about. The second thing we're going to talk about is this. If we're not living the Christian lifestyle that God has called us to live, why? What is deterring us? What's distracting us? What's getting us off course? Okay? So we're going to talk about these two different things and we'll hit on those two things at the end of the lesson. Okay? So we got a lot of ground to cover today. I'm going to jump right into it. I'm going to pray, and we'll read a little bit. And um, man, chapter 5 is a fascinating chapter. I think you guys will enjoy it. So uh, I'll pray, and we'll get into this. You should have a notes handout. If you have your Bible, again, the fifth book of the New Testament. Um, If you have a smartphone, the Uversion app, all the notes and everything should be on that if you click on the bottom right button, then click on events. Very, very convenient. Okay? All right. Everyone doing okay? Okay. Good, good, good. Glad you guys are here. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. God, keep your hand on us today. God, everything Kyle said, Lord, I just want to echo that prayer. And we pray for the churches in our community. We pray especially, God, for the church that's in Antioch that went through this horrible shooting. We pray for the people in Las Vegas, God, the victims and their families. Father, we want to specifically pray for New Vision Baptist Church, because Pastor Brady's going to be here this week, and North Boulevard Church of Christ, because Pastor David's going to be here this week. And we pray that you bless those congregations, Lord, and bless those men. And God, keep your hand on us, Lord. We love you, we thank you, we praise you, God. Lord, let us be the light and let us be the salt of the earth that you've called us to be, God. And if there's any visitors in this place, I just pray, Lord, that they feel welcome, they feel invited, and that something today just just gets their attention. God, we love you, we lift you up in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I'm gonna read a little bit of chapter five. I'm gonna read all of chapter five, but I'll break it up in chunks, and we'll go back and uh, we'll break it down. Here we go. So, but a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. However, he kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge and brought a portion of it and laid it down at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back a part of the proceeds from the field? Wasn't it yours while you possessed it? And after it was sold, wasn't it at your disposal? Why is it that you plan this thing in your heart? You've not lied to men, but to God. When he heard these things, Ananias dropped dead, and a great fear came on all those who heard. The young men got up, wrapped his body, carried him out, and buried him. There was an interval of about three hours, then his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. "'Tell me,' Peter asked." "'Did you sell the field for this price?' "'Yes, for that price,' she said. "'Then Peter said to her,' listen to this, guys, "'Why did you agree to test the Spirit of the Lord? "'Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband "'are at the door, and they will carry you out.' "'Instantly, she dropped dead at his feet. "'When the young men came in, they found her dead, "'carried her out, and buried her beside her husband. "'Then great fear came on the whole church,' and on everyone who heard these things. So if you weren't with us with chapter four, at the end of chapter four, there's this like really sweet kind of plug for this guy named Barnabas. And Luke, the, the, the author of Acts is like, hey, there's a guy named Barnabas and he was a super awesome guy. This is kind of my translation. Super awesome guy, sold some, some property that he had and gave all the money to the apostles. Then you get into chapter five and Luke goes, oh yeah, and there's these two other people. <laughs> Ananias and Sapphira, who also did the same thing, but they lied and God struck them dead. Quite a contrast. Now, Ananias, whose name ironically means God is gracious, and Sapphira, whose name means beautiful, were also two Christians who sold some property, but they didn't go about it the right way. So what's the big deal, right? So they still gave money to the Christian movement. They were still doing something good, right? They sold this property and, you know, they might have conspired with each other to hold some money back for themselves, but what's the big deal? The big deal is not the money. I don't know if you guys know this or not, like God doesn't really need our money. Of course the church needs money to advance and to spread the gospel and do good things, but that's not what God was upset about. What God was upset about is that there was dishonesty, There was a conspiracy amongst these two people to get together and lie to the people of God and God Himself, and there was a lot of selfishness here. So this couple essentially wanted all the acclaim, all the benefits, all the accolades and attention of the Christian community without the sacrifice of being in the Christian community. That's what they wanted. And they ultimately lied, they did lie to people, but they ultimately were lying to God. And the Holy Spirit showed this to Peter because if Peter didn't put a stop to this, or if God didn't put a stop to this, this kind of deceit and conspiracy could divide the church and hurt the church's reputation. It could hurt the credibility of the church, and God was not going to allow that to happen. So here comes the crazy part, right? You're reading the book of Acts for the first time, and you're like, man, God is awesome, the Holy Spirit, the community, this expansion of the church. Wait a second, two people are dead, right? And so you're reading this, and you're kind of stunned by it. And some commentaries say that Ananias just had a heart attack, right? He had cardiac arrest, and he dropped dead because of being exposed. Well, that may be true. But even if that's true, that doesn't make it any less God, right? God has appointed everyone's time and he's numbered everyone's days so he knew exactly how this was going to go down. And so we have to address a hard truth about the Bible. We're gonna get into a couple of those today. But here's the hard truth. Though we may not understand why God does the things that he, he does, at times, God may choose to remove dangerous people and he may do it in a very dramatic way. He may take care of it in a very dramatic way. The other thing we learn is this, is that nothing escapes the eyes of God. God sees what's in our heart, guys, all of us. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? He sees what's in our, thought, our, our hearts and our minds, and it's only a matter of time before everyone sees what's in our hearts. You guys have heard the stories of pastors who've, you know, covered up embezzling money or, or you know, affairs or, or, you know, lying to the church about something, and it comes up and it becomes public, Right? That's why the Bible says whatever is whispered in alleyways will eventually be shouted from rooftops. It will come out. So here's the thing. When hidden sin threatens innocent people, God will deal with it sometimes very severely. So we need to be open about our sin. We need to be honest about our struggles. We need to confess and talk to people and deal and address our sin because unaddressed sin is like a cancer to you as an individual, to me as an individual, and it's a cancer to our entire movement. It hinders the church. And here's the thing, the church is God's wife. We are his bride. And if anyone comes against your bride, husband and here, you're gonna do whatever you have to do to stop that. And that's what God does, even if he has to go to dramatic lengths. So Ananias comes in, lies to the Holy Spirit, blasphemes the Holy Spirit, drops dead as a doornail. Couple of hours later, Sapphira walks in and Peter's like, hey, did you sell it for this price? And she goes, yes, for that price. Because like she had her thing, like her script, right? They'd conspired, yes, Peter, for that. And right after she says it, imagine what went on in this woman's heart, right? Hey, your husband said that he dropped dead and the same men that just buried him are waiting right there and you're gonna die too. She drops dead, and so what is the results of that? There's two results, and we can expect these results. There was a proper fear of God now within this new church, right? The 5,000 all heard about this, and they're like, ooh, God can do that, right? And then there was also a proper respect of where sin will take us if we don't get a grip on it. So here's the thing, guys. You need to understand that the same God that spoke the universe into existence can wipe us out like that, right? Right? Not that he's going to do that, but we need to understand that he has the power to do that. The other thing we need to respect is if we don't address unrepentant sin, it will destroy us. And we need to address it, and we need to talk about it, okay? So it would be foolish of you and I to skip over Acts chapter 5. Is it ugly? Is it dark? Is it a little uncomfortable? Absolutely. It deals with greed, it deals with deceit, and it, it deals with hidden sin, all prevalent problems in the church right now. And the sins, these sins, will inevitably destroy us, and they will hurt the progression of the church as a whole. So we have to talk about the hard truths about sin, right? We don't like to talk about sin because it makes us feel ashamed or guilty, and we just don't want to address things that, we, you know, that, that we've become addicted to or we don't want to change But here's the thing, God will not tolerate sin, and there are always consequences for the choices we make. God will not tolerate sin, and there are consequences for the choices we make, okay? So many signs and wonders were being done among the people through the hands of the apostles. By common consent, they would all meet in Solomon's colonnade, that's in the middle of the temple. None of the rest dared to join them, but the people praised them highly. Believers were added to the Lord in increasing numbers, crowds of both men and women. As a result, they would carry the sick out into the streets and lay them on cots and mats so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. In addition, a large group came together from the towns surrounding Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. So we talked about last week, there's a couple of different groups that do not like the followers of Jesus. One of the groups, the most powerful group, was a group called the Sadducees, and they were starting to notice that it wasn't just Peter and John who were healing the sick and casting out demons and praying for people and having people come to follow Jesus. It was all of the apostles. And so it says that none of them dared to join them. That's probably referring to the fact that some of the apostles still went right in the middle of the temple complex, which was dangerous, as we'll see here in a minute. So not everyone would go in after them. And then it probably also meant that some people admired the followers of Jesus, but they were afraid to say so because they might be outcasts or possibly even get thrown in jail, right? So the church continued to grow. Instead of just meeting in the temple courtyard, they were now going into the streets, right? And as they would minister in the streets, people from all the surrounding areas and in downtown Jerusalem would bring the sick, they would bring people who were full of demons, they would bring people who were lost, and they would bring them out in the streets just in hopes that the shadows of the apostles would touch the individuals thinking that that would heal them. Now, this was more than likely a superstition. Uh, it doesn't say that Peter's shadow healed anyone. This was probably a superstition because in those days they believed your shadow was like an extension of you and that it was it was like a part of you, right? It represented the person. So we don't know if Peter's shadow actually healed anyone or not, but that's not really the point. The point isn't Peter. The point isn't Peter's shadow. The point is this. People who are hurting People who were lost, people who were demonically possessed and oppressed, people who had physical ailments were brought to the Christians, and not because the Christians were special in and of themselves, but because they had the power of Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit in him, they were able to pray for them, and those people were made whole. So the church did not grow because they gave away iPads on Easter. The church didn't have iPads back then, by the way. The church didn't grow because they had the best worship band or the biggest building. They didn't have either one of those things. They didn't grow because they brought in celebrities to speak and do a song and dance and juggle for everyone and entertain them. They grew because they presented the life-changing words of Jesus Christ. That's why the church grew, because the lost and hurting people came and they were made whole by God. That's what attracted more people to the movement. Okay? Next part. Then the high priest took action. He and all of his colleagues, those who belonged to the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy, so they arrested the apostles and put them in the city jail. But an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail during the night and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple complex and tell the people all about this life. In obedience to this, They entered the temple complex at daybreak and began to teach. When the high priest and those who were were with him arrived, they convened the Sanhedrin, that's the full senate, and they sent orders to the jail to have the disciples brought. But when the temple police got there, they didn't find them in the jail. So they returned and reported, We found the jail securely locked and the guards standing in the front of the doors. But when we opened them, there was no one inside. As the commander of the temple police and the chief priests heard these things, they were baffled about them as to what could come of this. Someone came and reported to them, look, the men that you put in jail are standing in the temple complex teaching the people. Then the commander went with the temple police And brought them in without force because they were afraid the people might stone them. They were worried about a riot. So, if you haven't been with us, the Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes, whenever you read their name, it's almost like the bad guy in the movie walks in, right? Like the dun dun dun. Here comes the Pharisees and the Sadducees, right? They're the bad guys, they're the antagonists. And probably one of the biggest antagonists in the entire Bible, besides Satan himself, is a guy named Caiaphas. Oddly enough, he was the high priest, the most religiously powerful man in the entire uh, uh, nation of Israel. And so he was the one that had Jesus crucified, and he continues to come against the followers of Jesus. He has all of the apostles thrown into jail, but as they're sitting in jail, it says an angel of the Lord showed up, right? Let them out of jail and told them to go back to the temple complex. This is the first of three times This is going to happen in the New Testament, that that an angel shows up to jail and lets people out, okay? Now, the angel didn't let him out just for the heck of it, right? Like, hey, you guys are free to go, like, you know, go do something fun. That's not what he told him to do. He said, there's a purpose for me letting you out. He said, go back to the temple and start teaching them and tell them about this life. Now, here's something that's interesting, Whenever miracles happen in the New Testament, they don't just happen so God can like show off, right? God isn't like our personal entertainer to do things for us just to like show us how cool he is. Every time a miracle was done in the New New Testament, there was a purpose behind it. And right here, something miraculous happened for the sake of advancing the gospel to more people. So whenever miracles happen in the Bible, it is to either glorify God or to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in our day and age, if miraculous things happen and they do not glorify God or advance the gospel of Jesus, uh, they may not be of God. We should probably be leery of those things, okay? So the people needed to hear the apostles' testimony. The angel said, go out and tell them about this life. Tell them about your experience being a follower of Jesus. Now here's the interesting thing. Their lives were pretty rough. Like these guys have been in jail a couple of times now. They're about to get beat. That was a spoiler alert. They're about to get beat here in a little bit, pretty viciously. And so their lives were not extremely easy. So again, I talked about it last week. This whole prosperity gospel that has somehow gained traction in the United States is garbage, right? The fact that you're never gonna get hurt, the fact that you're never gonna suffer, the fact that it's always gonna be good and you're gonna have money and your teeth are gonna be straight and white, all these things... That is not the gospel of Jesus. Now, is it a better life? Yes, it's a better life. And the apostles went out not to tell people that being a Christian was easy, but to tell them that being a Christian was more fulfilling. It had a purpose. It served something bigger than just the individual. Now, if you talk to anyone in this room who's in their 20s, they've done countless studies. What drives this generation is not money. What drives this generation is purpose. They would rather take a job that pays you less as long as it serves a greater good, as long as it has a purpose. That's what they're looking for. And I I think that's a good thing about the millennial generation. It's not money that's a factor, it's purpose. It's about having some kind of fulfilling, bigger than me occupation. And so the temple police were baffled, right? So the Sanhedrin, that's the council, all the leaders, right? They say, hey, go get the apostles. So the guy who's the chief of police walks up you know, says hi to the guys at the door. What's up, guys? We're like, hey, you know, goes up to the door, unlocks it, the door's locked, goes inside, nobody's in there. Now, look, I'm not trying to get like all Star Trekky on you guys or something, but I don't know if like the angel opened the door, let them out, and like somehow these guys were blinded or oblivious or asleep or something, then the angel locked it back, or I don't know if they were like teleported out. That's the Star Trekky part. I don't know if they were like teleported out. I don't know how they got out, but they got out and no one noticed. And so when the chief of police sees this, he's kind of freaked out. And the reason why he's kind of freaked out is he's like, "Uh, God may be on their side. God may be doing something for these guys. So when he went to the temple complex, he arrested them, but he didn't take them by force. He said, hey, guys, can you please come with me? Right? And so he got them and they went. And the reason why he did that is now there were so many followers of Jesus, the police were like, they're going to cause a riot. Something bad is going to happen if we take them by force, okay? So after they brought them in, they stood them before the Sanhedrin, and the high priest asked, didn't we strictly order for you to not teach in this name? Let me pause there for a second. Notice he doesn't even mention the fact that they were miraculously delivered from prison. He doesn't want to go there, right? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom you had murdered by hanging him on a tree. God exalted this man to his right hand as ruler and savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. A Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who is respected by all people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered the men to be taken outside. That was the apostles. You know, can you guys excuse us for a second? He said to the Sanhedrin, "'Men of Israel, be careful about what you're going to do to these men. Not long ago, Theodos rose up claiming to be somebody, and a group of about 400 men rallied behind him. He was killed, and his partisans were dispersed, and it came to nothing.'" After this, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and attracted a following. This man also died, and all of his followers were scattered. And now I tell you, stay away from these men and leave them alone. This is very important. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will be overthrown. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them you may even be found fighting against God. So they were persuaded by Gamaliel. This is huge. Okay, again, notice, they bring in, the Sanhedrin brings in the men who just kind of like miraculously got out of prison, and they start saying, hey, didn't we tell you guys to stop doing this? No mention of the fact that they just escaped out of jail. And so they weren't just worried about the fact That this new belief system, this whole following Jesus thing was gaining a lot of attention. They were worried because at the core of their teaching, it pointed the finger back on them. Who killed Jesus? Uh, We killed Jesus, right? Now, what's interesting is Caiaphas says, hey, don't put this blood on us. And just a couple of months ago, right before Jesus was crucified, Caiaphas stood in front of the Roman governor, Pilate, who was trying to get Jesus off the hook, And Caiaphas says these words, he says, let his blood be on our hands and our children's hands. Interesting. He wanted Jesus' blood on him then, and now he does not want to be responsible for killing Jesus. So the disciples respond. Listen, this is very, very important in our day and age. The disciples, the apostles of Jesus, respond like this. As they're being attacked, as they're being unfairly treated, Peter made it clear He said, guys, we shouldn't be against each other. We're actually worshiping the same God, but we're actually listening to what the Bible said, the prophecy said, and we're worshiping his son, Jesus Christ. We're actually doing it to the extent that the Bible tells us to do. So their response was not hateful. It was not violent. It was not slanderous. They just responded peacefully with the truth. Now listen, Christians, we are not to respond to injustice by throwing Molotov cocktails at corporate offices. We're not called to respond by throwing rocks at police officers. We're not called to respond with looting and havoc and craziness. That is not the way a follower of Jesus responds to injustice. Now, everyone can say amen because you've hopefully never thrown a Molotov cocktail in, in a crowd, right? Okay, good. Um, we can all say, okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah, we shouldn't, we shouldn't riot and loot. I bet a majority of us in this room, though, have got on Facebook and said ugly things about people that we don't agree with. That is also not the Christian thing to do. It is not the Christian thing to do to get on social media and blast people who differ from us. We are not called to respond with slander. Why? Because slander is a sin, and we are not to return evil with evil, the Bible says. We are to respond with love, and we are to respond with truth. Here's the other thing. We don't have to stick up for God. God can stick up for God. The truth can hold its own line, okay? We don't have to be the one Hey, are you making fun of God? God can deal with people, right? He can handle it himself, okay? So (laughs) instead... Like these first three rows really like that joke, by the way. So Peter offers no defense, Instead of, this is very important, guys, instead of vain arguments or getting angry with people, people, Peter just offers them Jesus. <laughs> so instead of getting on Facebook and having like this huge argument, right, typically happens on my Facebook, but not from me. So people get on there and they'll start arguing like crazy, right, trying to change everyone's ideology and like argue their point like crazy. And the Bible says that's vain babblings. That is vain arguments. Instead of letting people get you angry, instead of just arguing with people, just act like Jesus. Just present Jesus to them. And so we see pure gospel in verse 30 through 32. This is about as pure gospel as the Bible gets. Luke records that we are offered forgiveness of sins, we're offered relief from sin's oppression, and we are offered the Holy Spirit if we just obey Jesus. That's about as clean cut gospel as you can possibly get right there. And so now all of a sudden, we have this very unlikely source who is helping out the followers of Jesus. God put it in the heart of one of the bad guys, one of the Pharisees, to kind of bring some peace and order and reason to this conversation. Listen, the religious leaders wanted to kill people. And Gamaliel, who it said was respected by everyone, this guy was obviously a very, very good man, respected by all people. He was a rabbi. He kind of spoke up and said, hey, Maybe murder is not the best choice here right now, right? Let's calm down a little bit. Let's be peaceful about this. And here's what he says. And guys, this is something that all Christians should remember. Gamaliel reminds these individuals, these, these, these very high, powerful people. He says, look, we've had, we've had cults come and go in the past. Uh, there was a guy named Theodos. He rose up. He had about 400 followers, but he died and his followers went away, Right? There was another guy named Judas from Galilee. He rose up and he had a bunch of followers. He died too. They went away. So this is what Gamaliel says. This is very important. He says about these men that follow Jesus. He says, if this is a man-made thing, if it's just all about them, it'll fall apart. Don't worry about it. If it's a man-made... Listen, guys, even the Roman Empire, the most powerful empire that's ever existed was a man-made thing. It fell apart. Even Rome fell. Everything that is made by us without the Holy Spirit's intervention and, and participation will fall apart. And so Gamaliel knew this. He said, If it's not of God, don't worry about it. Men are self destructive. Mankind is self destructive and it'll fall apart. And then he said, But if it's of God, there's nothing you can do to stop it. If it's of God, there's nothing humanity can do to stop this from happening. He even goes so far to say, If we're not careful, We're going to oppose this and we may actually be opposing God and we don't want to be there. So he brought some order. So here's what we learned from Gamaliel, a guy who at this time is not even a follower of Jesus. We as Christians should see from his response that in the middle of conflict and in the middle of turbulent times, we should be calm, we should be sober-minded. That doesn't mean I'm not talking about you drinking a six-pack and then engaging in a conversation, right? I'm saying you should be level-headed, clear in your thought, you should be controlled in your conflicts. Now, are we to address heresy? Yes. Are we to address teaching that contradicts the Bible? Yes. But listen, if it's not a heaven or hell issue, this is very important, it is not worth fighting with other brothers and sisters in Christ over minor issues. Not worth your time. It is not worth your time to get into a debate with the Church of Christ about musical instruments. It's not... Worth your time to get into a debate with Catholics about how communion should be taken. It is not worth your time. It is, a, it is a, a complete waste of energy. We need to focus on the fact that we are all brothers and sisters in Christ working for the same goal, working to get to the same place. And then outside of our faith, it is not worth your time to degrade and belittle people who have different views from you. God will ultimately deal with that. We are to show them the love of Christ. We are to present the truth to them. At the end of the day, though, God is the righteous judge, not you and not I, right? So let God deal with other people that don't believe what the Word says, right? We just show them kindness. We just show them love, right? Last part. After they called in the apostles and had them flogged, they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they released them. Then they went out from the presence of the Sanhedrin, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be dishonored on the behalf of the name. Every day in the temple complex and in various homes, they continued teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Now, here's another hard truth about today's lesson, guys. Instead of them getting a warning, they got thrown in jail and they were given a warning. Instead of them just passing a law, don't talk about Jesus. Instead of them getting thrown in jail and an angel delivering them, this time they were beaten and beaten pretty viciously and pretty violently. At this time, it was common for about 39 strikes from a whip when you were flogged. So a man's bare back was exposed and another man hit him 39 times with a whip on the back. It would have completely annihilated the flesh on your back. Now, in our Christian walk, there are times when we will have close calls There are times when God will supernaturally provide and deliver, and there are going to be times when you're going to suffer. There are going to be times when your faith will get you hurt. It's just one of those facts. It's a hard one to deal with, but we have to be honest about it. And so as blood, listen to this, as blood was still running down their backs, probably soaking through their clothes, and they were warned not to preach Jesus' name again, they were set free. Now, if you read the works of Peter in the New Testament, Peter's epistles, he talks a lot about suffering. Why? Because Jesus went through it and because Jesus said that we're going to go through it too. And so Peter talks about suffering a lot in his epistles. But look what happens. After they were bloodied and beat up and just their backs were probably like raw meat, it says that they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to be dishonored for the name of Jesus Christ. Listen, we're ready to walk away when we lose a couple of friends, right? These guys were viciously beat, and they're like, man, Jesus was beat, and we were beat for Jesus' name. All right, all right. And so the ball kept on rolling, right? After being beat like that and told not to do it again, what do they do? We're gonna do it every day. We're gonna go right in the middle of the temple, and we're gonna do it again. Not only in the temple, we're gonna start taking it in people's homes. We're gonna spread beyond the city, and they keep going, and they keep going. Jail, intimidation, laws, physical beatings. Nothing stopped the believers in Jesus from propagating and and, and perpetuating the message of Jesus Christ. They just kept on going. They kept on going. So let me go backwards for a second. Let's talk about the first half of this chapter. Let's talk about the fact that when we lie, when we blaspheme the Holy Spirit, when we try to be selfish, when we conspire, That there are consequences for those things. Let's be honest about our faith for a second. Guys, if you've never been to this church, by the way, we're very, very honest. I'm as honest with you as I can possibly be, and I hope that you're as honest with yourself as you can possibly be. So let's be honest this morning. First, do you and I honestly believe that there are consequences for the choices we make? You ever heard people say, I wouldn't change a thing? That's bold. If I could go back in time, there's a lot of stuff I would undo if I had the the choice. If I could go back in time, there's a lot of people I hurt. There's a lot of things I said, a lot of things I did. That if I had a time machine, I would go back and not do those things. Well, they made you in what you are today. God would have liked it if I didn't do those things. I would like to go back and undo those things. There are consequences, not just in this life. Guys, if we don't repent for our sin and change our ways, there are eternal consequences consequences for the decisions that we make. Do we believe that? And we all say like, yes, 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 we believe it. Yes. But you wouldn't believe the people that come in my office and they know that they'll even say, yes, I'm doing this sin. Well, are you are going to change it? Well, Corey, we all have something. Oh, okay. Do we believe that there's consequences for our actions? Secondly, do we believe that God has a standard by which we are to live? Listen, guys, if Jesus is the king of kings and you become a follower of Jesus, you're a son and daughter of the king, which makes you either a prince or a princess. This doesn't mean you look down on people. It doesn't mean that you condescend people or you're haughty or arrogant or any of that. It means that we carry ourselves like royalty should carry themselves with respect and dignity in the way we speak, and the way we treat others. It means we stand up a little bit taller. Do you want to know why? Because you and I were purchased with someone else's son's blood. And there's a standard by which we are to live by. When we think that we can be saved by the blood of Christ and continue to live in the mud, that is not God's intention for you. God pulls us out of the ditch, sets us up, cleans us off so we can be, as the Bible says, a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, purchased and sanctified, set aside by the blood of Jesus Christ. There's a standard by which we live by, and that we are to value honor and honesty and sacrifice. And let me get off on a tangent for a second. And listen, I'm going to talk about the NFL for a second, but nothing about the Pledge of Allegiance. But I'm sitting in Slim Chickens the other day, which is irrelevant, but I'm sitting in Slim Chickens and I'm watching the the TV and they had a quarterback from the NFL being so derogatory towards women, right? And I'm watching this. I'm like, wow, okay. And so every year the United States gives $13 billion to the NFL when they keep getting arrested for domestic assault and for murder and putting down women and all of these things and i'm like listen i'm not trying to like i'm not trying to tell you to boycott a sport but what i'm saying is this if we value honor if we value women if we value equality and respect and dignity how much are we going to keep putting into things like that that only take humanity down a notch before we step back and say i don't want to participate How much does it take before we step back and say, we give $13 billion a year to that and there's kids that don't have enough to eat in my community? Do we still value honor? Do we still value respect and dignity and sacrifice? Do we think that anything we do escapes the eyes of God? Or have we become that arrogant as a society to think that we can lie and get away with it? not thinking that God is omnipresent and omniscient. Listen, on the flip side of that, because I don't want to paint this picture to you that God just strikes everyone dead, right? Listen, God has rules for us, not because he hates us or wants to punish us. God has rules for us to protect us. Let's talk about sex for a minute, because I know that's why you came to church. (laughs) What we've done, though, in Christian culture is we've made sex such a dirty thing and something that is taboo to talk about in Christian circles, and that's not what God's intention was. In fact, right at the beginning of the Bible, God essentially said, go have sex. Be fruitful. Go multiply. Enjoy this. Within these confines, within this this bubble and these restrictions that I've put on you to protect you, man, enjoy this thing that I have created for you to be pleasurable. This is a good thing. But what we've done in our culture is we've neglected the rules of God, we've taken it outside of these boundaries, and because of that, we have sexually transmitted diseases, and we have women that no matter how thin they get, they still think they're ugly, and we have people who are degraded, and we have prostitution, and we have divorce, and we have infidelity, and we have all this pain and suffering, not because God wants that for us, but because we won't follow God's parameters, and that's just one issue. We can get into finances, we can get into politics, we can get into whatever sphere you want to. And because we have not followed the biblical model, we are suffering on a great level because of it. God created these boundaries not to strike us with lightning, but to protect his bride, to protect his children, so we can have the best lives that we can possibly have. Let's shift gears. (laughs) So... (laughs) So, listen, if God wants us to have the best life that we can possibly have, and I'm not talking about the easiest life, I'm not talking about the, you know, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, the, the closest relationship we can possibly have. If God wants us to have that, I wanna ask you, what deters you from that? If a group of men were struck 39 times on the back with a whip and that did not deter them, I wanna ask you, what deters you? What deters me? Is it what people think about you? Guys, we're gonna be honest. I've been a victim to this, I've done this. Listen, in the South, whenever you tell people you're a pastor, they're like, oh, awesome, You know, high five, pastor, cool. When you go up to New England, it's not the same thing. So I'm up in Providence, Rhode Island, about five years ago, I'm with Corey Drake, and uh, we were helping this church out up there, and in Providence, Rhode Island, Christianity is about 2%. So two out of every 100 people claims to be a Christian. And so we're staying at this like ultra hipster hotel that this church put us in, and Corey fit in great, and I just stuck out like a weirdo. And so one night I couldn't sleep. And so I went downstairs and they had a, a 24 hour like bar restaurant thing. So I go into this like super hip bar restaurant thing and they were known for bratwursts. And I'm like, yeah, you know, when in Providence, you know, like eat bratwurst at 11. So I order a bratwurst and I'm sitting there at the bar and I'm eating my bratwurst. And this guy next to me, he's a lawyer and, and he strikes up a conversation with me. and He's like super cool looking and he was a lawyer. And, and, uh, he goes, hey, man, how you doing? And I'm like, good, you know, like, you from here? And he's like, yeah, I got a law office down the street. And I'm like, ah, you know, you still got your soul? And ha, <laughs> you know, we laugh a little bit. And, and he goes, where are you from? And um, he goes, where are you from? And I'm like, Nashville. And he's like, you like country music? And I'm like, no. And, and we, <laughs> you know, we have this conversation. And, but we, <laughs> we banter and we joke around for a little bit. And I'm asking him all about his job and, you know, growing up in Providence and all this stuff. And about 30 minutes into the conversation, I mean, you think we are best friends and he goes, man, what do you do for a living? <laughs> and I was like, I pastor a church. And he just goes, oh. And I, I kid you not, picked up his plate and his drink oh. and just walked to the other side of the bar. And I was sitting there. I felt like I just got dumped on prom night or something, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I was just like, man, that just happened. Like, I'm like, I'm like not the cool kid right now, you know? Like, and I'm sitting there and for the first time, I'm like, man, I, I kind of care what people think about me right now. And I was a little bit more reluctant the rest of that trip. And people were like, well, so what do you do? I'm a teacher. <laughs> you know, like, and, it, and it, I, had to, like, I had to repent for that. So what, are the, what, are the, what others think about you? Is what deters us a lack of urgency? I know the Bible says that we're promised tomorrow and the next day and the next day and that we're promised longevity and long lives and that we're going to hang out for a long time. I know the Bible says that. Jesus says the exact opposite, right? He said you're like a flower that's gonna bloom and then you're gonna die. Jesus said you're like a, or James said, you're like a vapor that comes out and you dissipate. Jesus said you're not even promised tomorrow. But there's so many Christians that are so apathetic and we're so lazy about our faith and we don't take it very seriously. Is what deters you the sacrifice of the whole thing? Guys, we're just being honest with each other. Is it that if I give everything to Jesus, I'm not gonna be able to do what I wanna do all the time? I'm not going to be able to move where I want to move and marry who I want to marry because we're told to marry people of like faith. And, you know, is it because of that I can't spend my money the way I want to all the time? Or I would rather, you know, have this job that pays six figures versus working this other thing that doesn't pay that much? Or whatever the case may be, is it the sacrifice part of it that keeps us from being what we're supposed to be? Is it the fact that we value world systems more than we value biblical systems? You know what that means? Um, you, you know what I meant when I wrote this? And guys, I, you, you guys hate it when I say this stuff. I think we care more about political climates than we do about biblical principles a lot of the times. If you just want me to be honest. You know what we've done in our nation? Um, we have made politics, we've made sports, we've made entertainment into idols. We have become masters in the United States of idolatry, idol worship. Guys, can I be a real jerk for a second and listen? I'm like, I'm not against the Second Amendment. I'm, I'm not against you owning a firearm, any of that stuff. But you know let me tell you something that really bothered me. After 50 plus people got murdered, and the first thing people are posting is, "You're not taking my guns." 50 people just got mowed down, and all you can think about is someone taking your stuff. That's kind of sick. That's that's an idol. That's wrong. That is putting something even above human life guys, I'm not trying to get all political or make you hate me because, you know, there goes commie-corey again. That's not what I'm trying to do. <laughs> what I'm saying is in this moment, can we not have enough sensitivity to lament the dead as opposed to thinking about me? Have we created idols in our life? Is that what's keeping us from advancing as believers? Or is it physical danger? Most of you would say no to this. Why? Because we're not there yet. Not only are we not there yet, listen, this is where I'm going to come off really, really rude. In North America right now, I don't even think we would make it to that stage. We have people who give up on their faith just over talks of sexuality or politics. or We have people who give up on their faith with just a little bit of resistance on social media or if anyone tries to correct them for the sin in their life... So we we give up on Christ way before it gets to the physical danger part. My fear for the North American church is if they were to come to your home and say that we're going to hurt your wife or your children or burn down your home or take your stuff, I don't even think we've made it to the point to where we can stand up against that stuff. I think many of us would give up on Christ long before our physical bodies were put in danger. And guys, I'm not saying that to be mean to you, if kneeling or standing at a football game divides people the way it does, do we think we can, we can stand up against people who oppress us physically? We get divided over the dumbest things. How in the world do we think we can stand up if there's physical persecution against the church? I'll be honest with you, I worry, I worry greatly about Christianity in the United States of America worry about it greatly. I don't even know if we'd make it to this last step. My two questions for you today are this. The first one, like I stated a minute ago, is are you honest about your faith? Do you believe that the choices you make, if they go unaddressed, listen, and let me tell you guys, I want to end on grace. God is quick to forgive. If you are in here right now and you've been doing a a sinful thing, you've been living a sinful lifestyle, if you ask God to forgive you of your sins and if you take steps to to walk away from that, man, you're forgiven. God gives you a clean slate. But do you believe in here that if you keep going down that road, do you believe that there are consequences for those actions? That's my first question. My second question is, if you do not have the, the, the kind of intimate, deep relationship with Jesus that you know you should have, if you don't have that, My question is, what is getting in the way? Listen, there's nothing wrong with politics. There's nothing wrong with owning a firearm. There's nothing wrong with sports. There's there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But if any of those things come between you and being the follower of Jesus that you need to be, you need to eliminate those things. You need to put those things aside or behind you. We need to go back and look at our priority list again. Is God number one? Is our family number two? Are we putting things in proper perspective? Are you taking your faith seriously, and if not, why? Why? Would you bow your heads with me, please? If you are in this room and you are not a Christian, I want to tell you I am extremely happy you're here. I hope you felt welcomed. I hope you felt comfortable. I hope people were kind to you and inviting to you. I hope you come back. If you're in here and you are a Christian, listen, my first challenge for you is this. If you have a sin in your life, if you have something that you keep falling to over and over again, if you struggle with lying or greed or selfishness, if you you struggle with pornography or if you struggle with, I, I don't know, whatever sin it may be, if you have any of those sins, here's what I ask of you. It's so simple. Ask God to forgive you and then when you leave this place, take the steps to not do that anymore. Find some accountability. Find someone to pray with you. Find someone to, that you can confess to and hold you up. Repent. It's, it, and God will give you a fresh start today. If you are in this place and you're a Christian and, and maybe you're just not on fire as you know you should be, maybe you're not reading the Word or praying or reaching out or being the husband or wife or father or mother. You're not being all that you know you can be. I just want you to pray today and ask God, show me what's in the way, and God, give me the strength to move that out of the way. There's communion all the way around you. If you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, you're welcome to take the, the, the body and blood of Jesus Christ, the rep- represented in the, in the juice and the bread of his grace and his mercy for us, Listen, there are people up here, men and women, who will be at the front to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, let them pray for you. And let's leave this place ready to go and engage the world around us and show them the light. Father, Lord, we love you. God, we praise you and we thank you. Father, um, we pray, God, that you touch the church in Antioch that had this horrible uh, shooting take place. We pray, God, that you bless all the victims and the family of the victims, God, in Las Vegas and that horrible shooting. Father, we pray, just like Kyle said, that you protect our churches, pray that you protect our government buildings, pray that you protect uh, uh, our, our, our police officers and our sheriff's department, and our firefighters, and all the people who serve this city and who serve to protect us, God. Lord, we pray that we are beacons of light that we can go out and we can positively touch people's hearts around us. Father, we pray, God, that we can repent for our sin, that we can bring it to you and we can be honest about it, and you will forgive us, God. We pray that if there is anything impeding our closeness to you, God, anything, that you would give us the strength to remove those things so we can draw closer to you. God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. Bless my brothers and sisters. Be with them this week, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys so much. I love you guys. Hope you have a great week.